0: Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this week's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. Here's your case. Okay, everybody, we've got a 43-year-old male. Had a sudden onset of headache about an hour ago. 10 out of 10 on the pain. States he feels like he got kicked in the head. Uh, No trauma. Emesis times 2. Slight isolated right pupil dilation and sluggish to reflex uh, to light. No history, no meds, no allergies. 180 over 90, pulse of 120, respirations of 20, 98% and 156 on the glucose. Any questions? Yeah, wife is uh, waiting for me. Okay, thank you. All right, what's your differential? When a patient presents like this, I have a few things in mind myself, meningitis, strokes, maybe like a vascular dissection, but one of the most important things on my differential is subarachnoid hemorrhage, that sudden and severe headache, the king of bad headache causes. These are usually caused by an aneurysm on the circle of Willis that leaks or Breaks open, that blood floats around in the subarachnoid space, irritating the brain and then eventually settling into those cisterns. And it's just really not good. These patients don't do well. Risk factors are family history, smoking, a few other things, plus that worst risk factor of all, bad luck. And so that's what we're going to talk about this week. Subarachnoid hemorrhage. This is going to be a pretty standard format today. We're going to focus on history, exam, imaging, labs, and treatment. Nice and simple. First, a few things that I want you to focus on when you take your history. You want to ask about the onset of the headache, and what you're trying to get from the patient is if this was a sudden and severe at onset headache. But this is tricky because you don't want to lead them either, and sometimes patients try to play up their symptoms. So how I ask this, I ask, what were you doing when the headache started? And if they say, I was at the gym, or I was having sex, or I was making my bed, I don't like that. That's too specific, too fast in onset. But if they don't remember what they are doing, then I keep going and I ask, do they think that this was just kind of mild at first and then gradually worsened until now, or it's really bad, or was it this bad kind of right when it started? Phrasing it like that validates the current severity of their symptoms with either response, and it helps you get the right answer. That's the first thing you ask on history. Next, I always try to ask if this headache is different for them or what they think is causing it. Because I have lots of chronic migraine patients who every time I see them, they'll come in and they'll be like, it feels like my head is exploding. It's so severe. This is my migraine. And they say that every month when they come in, a severe exploding headache, but they have it every month. But then you'll get these old pharma guys who never come to the hospital at all, and all of a sudden he's complaining of a severe headache, and he doesn't know what could be causing it. He doesn't get headaches. That should be really concerning. Third, you need to ask about the time of onset of the headache, because we'll get to this in a bit, but CT scan is incredibly sensitive when the patient comes in within six to eight hours after their headache starts. But then that sensitivity slowly starts to drop off because that white blood will start to turn gray on the CT and it's just easier to miss in the picture. Those are your core three questions. Severity at onset, similar to previous, and when did it start? But a few other things you can ask about here are also family history of aneurysm, photophobia, neck stiffness. When you say things like that, it makes it sound like you took a thorough history. Next Physical exam, full neuro exam for your headaches, attendings love when you walk the patient, and then really try to check all of those big neuro categories, cranial nerves and mental function, motor and sensory, reflexes and cerebellar function. And usually at this point, based off of your history and exam, you can usually rule out subarachnoid hemorrhage. If you want, you can... Go on MDCalc and use something called the Ottawa subarachnoid rule here if you want to impress your attending with a cool scoring criteria that has incredibly high sensitivity. Go ahead and look that up. It's called the Ottawa subarachnoid rule. But let's say you can't rule out subarachnoid. Then the next step is going to be getting a CT of the head without contrast to look for white blood. This is a great test if you do it within six hours of headache onset. But remember that this is going to gradually start to lose a little bit of sensitivity as time flows on. That white blood is going to turn gray. But CT head, without contrast, is always the first test you recommend to evaluate for subarachnoid hemorrhage because you're looking for that white blood. If that CT is starting to get more than six to eight hours out from headache onset, or maybe you just had a super high pre-test concern for subarachnoid hemorrhage, the next step is to do a lumbar puncture to look for two things. And you're looking for xanthochromia and red blood cells. If this is negative, you're done. If it's positive, you're done. The main hang-up in here is that sometimes when you do your lumbar puncture, you're not going to get it on the first attempt. And if you don't, invariably you're gonna get some red blood cells in your sample. So now what? No xanthochromia, but you have some red blood cells in your sample and you know that it was a traumatic tap. There isn't really a clear answer to this, unfortunately. We know that less than 100 red blood cells in tube four, your last tube that you fill pretty much rules things out. A big decrease in red blood cells from the first tube until your last tube is usually a good sign as well, but it's not 100%. But this is just a hard situation. I'm sure your attending would love to talk to you about this if you want to ask them about their approach to this. But let's say you do diagnose it. Your last step then is going to be treatment. With treatment, we are trying to avoid four devastating complications of subarachnoid hemorrhage. rebleeding. Vasospasm, delayed ischemia, and seizure. And lucky for you, there is a well-known prevention for each one. First, we know that the risk of rebleeding can be significantly reduced by good blood pressure control. I personally always use a nicardipine drip. Nicardipine for neuro. Labetalol can be used too, but. Bring that blood pressure down to 140 or less is what Tintinalli says. Remember pain medicine. Remember to reverse warfarin or any blood thinners that are on. You're trying to prevent re-bleeding. Vasospasm can be prevented with an oral drug called nimodipine, which doesn't have to be started STAT in the ED or anything like that, but it should be started during the admission. Delayed ischemia can be prevented by controlling body temperature and their blood sugar. And seizure can be controlled with an anti-epileptic. But this is kind of controversial, and so I always ask the neurosurgeon attending what they want when I talk to them. And that's the approach to subarachnoid hemorrhage in the ED. Kind of a dense episode, but super important. Check out the Roshcast questions again this week if you want to practice this some more. And until next time, keep working hard. Keep studying and be sure to enjoy your shift.